Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. The Unexplored Places, Tango Sector, is an actual play podcast about the crew of the spaceship Pelagian, a ragtag group of reckless guns for hire, taking jobs, facing rivals, making enemies, and scraping by amidst the plots and schemes of the cops, cults, and criminals who control their home in Tango Sector. Find us on Twitter at UnexploredCast, and tune in every other Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Tabletop Potluck, an actual play podcast created to help diversify the world of mainstream tabletop role-playing games. And make tasty recipes. And help you find your new favorite RPG system. And to have fun. So check it out. Now on all podcast directories. Hey, come sit at our table. One of the oldest laws in Calda is, no machine shall ever rival sapient life in knowledge or ability. For centuries, no one could tell you why. But now, ancient machines have awoken that threaten all of Chell. Join Hector, the Skeletonian fighter. Uh, do you tell chicken fortunes? Wilm, the Cyclops bard. Oh, you're a skeleton. How is that happening? Are you alive? Nyx, the changeling warlock. I can't believe this. This is amazing. This is a tent, but it has a stone floor. And Tass, the halfling druid. All right, let's go. Let's leave this poor man alone. As they unravel the secrets of the Forgotten Army and mitigate a brewing civil war. Coming August 2021, Legends of Chell, the Forgotten Army. Just because something is forgotten doesn't mean that it's gone. I can draw a picture of us all together. This will be great. You wake up startled in the middle of the night, convinced that there's something out there in the darkness. Your brain tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of, that the inhuman shape in the corner of your room is just your laundry piled on a chair. But as you hear the ghostly, ragged breathing that doesn't belong to you, you realize your brain is dead wrong. If you love the mix of horror, mystery, and comedy in shows like Buffy, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, or Supernatural, You'll feel right at home on The Crit Show, a Monster of the Week actual play podcast where the players, playing as themselves, are tasked with being the last line of defense from the forces of evil that go bump in the night. Join us every Wednesday and learn the games we play while the gang tries their best to solve the mysteries, hunt the monsters, and protect the innocent. Their intentions are good. Their dice rolls, not so much. You can find The Crit Show at thecritshowpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It began 18 months ago. Some swear they saw a bright light from the center of the forest. Others claim it was a meteor fallen from the sky. Others still remember something more subtle, a shift in the air, thicker somehow and and sticky and irresistible. The point is, no one knows exactly why the forest began to change. It was six months before a research group called Advance established its perimeter, closed down the borders, and deemed it the quarantine zone. 
News reports will tell you they evacuated the entire area, but the locals know it would have been futile if they'd tried. Everything in there had already changed. They would have been dragging out monsters if they'd made the attempt, so it was safer just to shut it down. Part of this area was once part of a national park, but no one calls it by its old name anymore, and miles around it on all sides have been taken over by advance for safety and research. Now people only see the quarantine zone from a distance, and looking at it from the outside is like looking into a room through a dirty window, smudged and unclear. For one year, research has happened at the edges of the quarantine zone. Scientists safely at the borders, soldiers making sure nothing goes in or out. That is, until you. Expedition Team Delta, the first to venture into the zone with Advance's blessing and their explicit instructions to find the center of it, find the cause, and bring back some answers at any cost. You have enough supplies for a 10-day trip into the quarantine zone, five days in, five days out, based on maps of what the area used to look like before the change. Packets of food, canteens of water and water purification tablets, tents, navigation tools, radios, cameras, and a series of compact, portable machines to test any samples you might take, all pre-packed neatly into packs, plus weapons, just in case. No one knows what you'll encounter in there. And if five days isn't enough to reach the center of the zone, well, no one gave you explicit instructions about that, but someone will probably give you an answer when the time comes. Welcome, everyone, to uh, today's International Podcast Month episode. Uh, we are playing Trophy Dark, a collaborative storytelling game about a group of treasure hunters on a doomed expedition into a forest that doesn't want them there by Jesse Ross. My name is Christine. I am our uh, GM for today. I am also the host and GM of The Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast currently playing Scum and Villainy. Uh, you can find the show at UnexploredCast on Twitter and everything else we do linked from there. Hi, I'm Charlotte Elena. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on the Tabletop Potluck actual play podcast, uh, where we sample the wide world of tabletop role-playing games. Uh, we're at Tabletop Potluck on all social media. Hi, I'm Max Kasparic. Uh, I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. I uh, was a player in the last season of the actual play Legends of Chell, and I'm very excited to say that in this upcoming season, I'm in the GM seat. Woo! <laughs> and I am Rev, he, him, and I am the host and GM of The Crit Show, which is an actual play podcast uh, where we play Monster of the Week and other Powered by the Apocalypse games, all within the same dimension-hopping story. Uh, and you can find everything about that at thecritshowpodcast.com. All right. So, the three of you are standing at the edge of the quarantine zone. Uh, from far away, which is how you have seen it before, it is nearly impossible to see past this sort of strange, smudged barrier that stands between the quarantine zone and the rest of the world around it. But up close, you can start to make out details through it. You can see it more clearly than you could from far away. The three of you have just been dropped off here uh, by a, a group of advance soldiers who escorted you to uh, what Advance has deemed the best possible 
sort of entry point for, for going into the quarantine zone. You have your materials, you have packs uh, that have been packed for you, and you have your instructions. Charlotte, would you like to, to, to tell us a little bit about your character? Sure. Lee Barnett is a scientist, a naturalist more specifically, so he's very used to spending time in nature. Uh, he's a scrawny guy, curly hair, glasses, and I think as he approaches the barrier, his chest fills with a familiar feeling. Uh, and what, what is one thing that you see, what, what is one, one shape that you make out through the barrier that catches your interest? I think I see a bird in one of the trees. Uh, its coloring is very interesting to me. Uh, it's kind of like a warbler, kind of like a bright yellow color. Maybe unnatural for this area. All right, Max, tell us uh, a little bit about your character. So my character is Ivy Kozlowski, also known as Rook. It's a nickname that she uh, earned from an older colleague who referred to as a real clever bird. Uh, she is tall, kind of broad-shouldered, with the sort of build of someone who is strong, but did not get that strength through visiting the gym, got that strength through uh, hard, you know, performing hard labor uh, in the world. And uh, she has dark hair with uh, a couple gray strands starting to appear. And what would you say, what is, what is Rook thinking about? as she approaches the barrier. So I imagine that Rook, like me, is from southwestern Pennsylvania, but maybe um, maybe a slightly more rural part than I grew up in, and I think that she is reminded of stories of the, uh, the not-deer from that region, from uh, Appalachia, mm. of uh, things that look like they should be deer, but just aren't quite deer. And Rev, would you like to introduce your character? I'm playing Dr. Emmett Blackburn, uh, a neurologist. He is very wiry uh, with dark black hair and a well-kept beard. And as he approaches, the barrier is just standing with lips pursed, smelling the air. And, um, and as you approach the barrier, what, uh, what is distracting you as you stand here? I spent a lot of time before we left studying the types of moss and fungus that are supposed to be in this area. And right off the bat, I smell something that doesn't have the right tinge to it. Like there's a, a sour note that belongs to a moss or a fungus that shouldn't be in this area. All right. So the three of you step through the barrier and into the quarantine zone. Uh, and as you sort of cross over this section that has been deemed the edge of, of the quarantine zone, I think part of you expects to feel something different, but it, it doesn't particularly. You know, you, you are standing on grass, you step across a sort of invisible line of indistinct kind of haziness, and you step out on the other side, and you are on... The same grass, smelling the same things, seeing the same things, the same trees and, and birds, but clearer. And you begin to, to walk, to make your way 
into the area. There is sort of of thick, tall grass that is littered here and there by sprays of purple flowers. There are some sort of, at this point, kind of sparse trees that you can see denser areas of, of trees in the distance. And I think the only thing that strikes you as being particularly strange as you as you begin your journey in is that when you look up, the the sky looks again blurry, looks almost kind of, of like smudged glass. Uh the clouds beyond it and the sort of, of sunrise on the horizon look out of focus. But other than that, things at first feel the same. They feel natural. You all begin your walk. Um, which one of you is is leading the way here? Which one of you is is taking sort of point as you begin to walk into the quarantine zone? Asking for marching under order is always a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to volunteer because I'm uh, like our, I'm our guard, but at the same time, I don't really know where we're going. <laughs> I mean, vaguely, yes, but. Well, I think survival is a handy skill to lead with, but I also have nature. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Lee is is leading the charge here. Rook, as the guard, are you are you bringing up the the rear? Are you sort of putting the the wiry vulnerable neurologist in the middle here or are you charging ahead as well? Um, I think that I'm going to try and keep pace uh with Emmett uh and sort of walk just behind Lee cuz I I'm I'm guessing I can probably see pretty well past Lee's shoulder at this point. I don't think there's a ton of brush and and I'm nice and tall and everything. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um all right. So based on the sort of again, you all have been given what is essentially a map of what this area looked like the last time anyone was in here. Um, no one knows how accurate that map may or may not still be. Um, but if the, the sort of landscape uh, hasn't changed that much, then what you are expecting is a sort of uh, a, a relatively easy pace five-day trip to the center. Um, you've got sort of like vague landmarks marked off such that you... You know, if you can reach each one by a certain point each day, you should be on track to to make it all the way in and then back out in time. But the other thing that you are are sort of meant to be doing as you go is not just getting an idea of what is at the center of this, but also also sort of getting a read of what things are like in the, the quarantine zone as a whole, keeping an eye out for strange, you know, anything out of the ordinary, taking samples, that kind of stuff. Are our instruments working properly? Like compasses, uh, any research material we've taken with us? Yeah, at this point, um, compasses, you know, you've, you've come in from sort of the south side of the quarantine zone. You should be headed due north. Your compass tells you you're headed due north. It doesn't seem to be doing anything out of the ordinary at this point. Good to know. Um, are there other particular tools that you're interested in? Um, or is the compass sort of the main the main thing while you're on the move? Compass was my primary worry at yeah. the moment. Do we have any kind of uh, satellite GPS um, thing? I don't think so. I think that the barrier around the quarantine zone seems to 
I think the the scientists that have been exploring the area already know from sending in like drones and other things that the GPS doesn't work super well in here, um, which is also a part of why there isn't a like better reading of what the what what you're actually walking into in terms of landscape. Okay. Um, they've been they've been having a hard time getting anything out of the quarantine zone. Um, so that is sort of the. I don't think they bothered sending you in with a GPS that they knew wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I think just out of habit, I check my digital watch to see if it still is accurately reading the time in this moment. Yes, it appears to be accurately reading the time. Uh, and my my gaze goes from the watch up to the canopy and that kind of fogged sky. I don't think that I care for that. Any ideas what kind of phenomenon would cause something like that? The foliage up there doesn't seem to be strong enough to block the sun out like that. Uh, Rook shrugs and says, uh, cloudy weather. Yeah. I wonder if the trees are able to get enough sunlight. I mean, they must be. Lee, I think that, that based on your sort of experience as a naturalist, it seems from looking at the trees and the other foliage here that there's no sort of dearth of sunlight. They seem to be growing just fine. Um, in fact, the it's hard to tell if it's because of the amount of sun they're getting or the fact that this area has not been, like, occupied by humans for 18 months uh, or something else. But they seem, like, richer and more mm, Nature sort of is healing. Well, well <laughs> grown in than uh, you would have expected. Would I be able to take some samples? Absolutely, yes. Uh, what, what in particular do you want to take samples of here? Uh, I think I'd like to grab a, a sample of the soil. Sure, absolutely. Um, I don't think that's difficult. I think you can just yeah. go ahead and do so. <laughs> Scoop it up. Yeah. Uh, maybe some plant cuttings as well. Yeah. Are you sort of stopping in one place to do this? Are you sort of, of taking a break here and there as you walk? What's the... Yeah, I think as as we go along, I'm kneeling down to pick something up that interests me here and there. Yeah. So I think you get you get some soil samples, you get some, some plant cuttings. I think you come across um, maybe an hour or so into your walk, you come across a, a particularly dense area of these sort of purple flowers that seem to be everywhere. Um, and you kind of stop to, to kneel down and, and get a couple of cuttings of these flowers. Um, and as that happens, uh, Rook, you were probably the first to notice this. You hear the sound of something kind of large-ish moving kind of just out of sight through the the trees, which have started to get denser here. Oh. Um, what do you do? I think that I kind of try to signal to Emmett to, like, just stay there, be quiet, and I'm going to keep my eyes on wherever I think the noise is coming from and gently put a hand on Lee's shoulder and and say, there's something here. Don't move. Lee nods his head slowly. I stop at the gesture and just slowly lower to the ground, like crouching. Can I see anything, or is it just like, like brush moving? You can see, um, you can see some movement. I think it's a little more than brush moving. You can see a sort of shape moving in the distance, though it's it's hard to make out from here what it actually is. Um, I think the the most noticeable thing is that it. It's quite noisy. It seems to be making a lot of noise 
with the the brush and the you know tree branches snapping and things like that. Whatever this is, it isn't moving cautiously like you'd think a predator might. Um, is sort of maybe more just coincidentally happens to be near you. Okay, I think I'm just gonna wait and see if it passes us by. You you take a minute and you hear it as it starts to move closer, and uh, you know a minute passes and then another and then it sort of of moving directly in your direction sort of breaks through the tree line and into sight. Uh, and what you can see is a beast is kind of the only word you have for it. It's hard to tell what animal this is, but whatever it is, it is massive. It is maybe the size of a moose. Oh. And it has huh. it has antlers like a moose, but its its body is sort of more massive and its its face despite these antlers doesn't look like a moose's um there's something almost bear like about the way it is moving and as it sort of moves towards you uh, it appears to be limping slightly and it is sort of headed directly in your direction despite its limp kind of quite quickly and it is making this sort of like low kind of keening moan it doesn't okay. sound like the noise that either a moose or a bear would make. Um, so I think that uh, Rook's, Rook is cursing themselves for not bringing their elephant rifle like they had originally <laughs> planned. Uh, and they're going to um, sort of lean on the nearest tree and shoulder their rifle and uh, just pop off a couple of warning shots into the ground. See if they can scare this thing away. Sure. That sounds like it's going to be a roll. All right. So when you attempt a risky task, uh, say what you hope will happen and ask the GM and other players what could possibly go wrong. So you said your intended effect here is to sort of scare this thing off. Is that right? Yes. So what do we think could go wrong here? <laughs> the opposite happening? Yeah, I think the <laughs> obvious is attracting its attention, <laughs> potentially angering it. Oh, boy. <laughs> or even scaring it in such a way that the thing it does is not run away, but is in fact mm -hmm. run run towards you. Any other thoughts for what could possibly go wrong here is sort of the obvious answer, the best one. Uh, I think that another option is that the gunfire could attract other things. Yes. Yeah, oh, no. That's good, mm -hmm. good idea. How did you think mm -hmm. of, like, the one thing that was worse? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to gather our dice pool here. You get one light-colored die if this is something you were skilled at. I think that between combat and survival, which are two of your skills, this seems mm -hmm. like something you are certainly skilled at because of your background. Yeah. You can take a second light-colored die if you want to accept a devil's bargain from another player or from me. I, uh, I think this early on, I'm not going to take any devil's bargains okay. just yet. And then you can add a dark-colored die to your roll if you are willing to risk your mind or body in order to succeed. I am willing to risk my body. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I actually get a choice in whether it's the mind or body, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this will right, be so... one light-colored die and one dark-colored die. That's a five. So it's also... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Two, two mm -hmm. things. You've rolled a, a, a four on your light-colored die and a five on your dark colored die. So it means you've rolled a five, which means you succeed, but there's some kind of complication. 
Uh, I'll describe the complication, and then you describe how you succeed. Um, however, because your dark-colored die is higher than your light-colored die, this counts as a ruin roll. Your ruin, which for you is currently two, uh, shows how much the forest has dug its claws into you, including the physical and mental harm that you've suffered. Uh, generally, it starts at one, uh, though that increases if you have any rituals, which I'm sure we'll get to rituals mm -hmm. at some point. You've started with one ritual, so your ruin is at two. When you witness or undergo something disturbing, you make a ruin roll, and if the number that you roll is higher than your current ruin, your ruin goes up. Uh, so the five that you rolled here on your dark die is in fact higher than two, so your ruin goes up to three, uh, which means I'm going to give you a condition to reflect how the forest is warping your mind and body. Oh, boy. I can really like 20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay, a couple of things we have to do. I have to tell you your complication, you have to tell me how you succeed, and I also have to give you your condition here. So... I think that the condition here is sort of tied into the consequence or the complication. I think the complication is that this creature, this beast, is going to sort of, of take a, a swipe at you with its claws out of just like a sheer sort of like startle or panic reaction to the loud noise before you successfully scare it off. Um, so I think it takes one of these sort of large bear-like claws and and just like swipes it across your let's say your kind of shoulder i guess is probably the maybe your arm somewhere along your arm okay ow <laughs> um it's not it's i mean it hurts for sure it is not a super deep wound again this thing is not like trying to hurt you so much as you were just in the way as it's having this sort of panicked fear response but you do you do successfully scare it off you get to describe how you succeed here I think that uh, since it gets close enough to take a swing at me, I think that as it swings on me, uh, I accidentally fire the gun again. And that 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 uh, being, you know, so close to, yeah. we'll say like uh, its head, maybe mm -hmm. it sort of grazes it. And that's enough to actually get it to run the other direction. Yeah. As it gets, especially I think as its head gets close enough to you for this, something that you notice about it that you had, you couldn't quite see as it was farther away is that it's um its antlers are not they're not covered in like velvet the way a moose's antlers are. Oh. Um they seem to be covered with a sort of like bright green kind of moss. Mm. Um as for your condition here because of your ruin roll, you know, it 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 swipes at your arm, you fire off a second shot, it bolts sort of back off the way it came, this sort of like lumbering limping run and you sort of like look down at your arm and sort of automatically go to like see how bad the damage is and for a second as you as you look down there's you know there's there's torn skin there's blood mm -hmm. it looks a little dirty probably needs to be cleaned out um and for a second it looks like there are tiny white insects in the wound uh. and then you <laughs> blink and they're gone Woof. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to, what's the best way to write this condition? Uh, bug wound. Bug wound. <laughs> bug, bug wound. Wounds. Bug wound. Bug wounds. Bug wounds. The other two of you, Lee and, and Emmett, as this is happening, as this 
huge beast stumbles out of the woods, swipes at Rook, and then lumbers back away in fear. Uh, what are what are you all doing? Uh, before Rook shot at it, would I have been able to notice if it was behaving strangely at all? Like, not typical animal behavior? Um, I think that the the main thing that you noticed about its behavior was that it was very clearly injured. It looked as if it was in pain. Um, it wasn't hunting, necessarily. Um, it didn't seem to have much of a purpose. And it didn't seem to be running away from anything, either. But it was definitely, like... Maybe looking for a place to die was sort of the vibe of its behavior. Mm. Yeah, and I think I stay crouched down until the gunfire, and at the gunfire, I can't help but stand up and spin around to see what's going on. The hell was that thing? Uh, I think we should follow it. Uh, uh, a wounded animal is typically desperate, uh, so I'm not sure that we want to follow it and risk cornering it. Especially if it hasn't eaten, it's going to be, you know, if it's too injured to hunt, then it's going to take whatever it can get. It looked like it was on death's door. Yeah, well, so did that water buffalo that almost gored me a year ago. Are you bleeding? Oh, yeah. Uh, What do you, uh, you guys are doctors, right? Can yes. you patch me up? Come here, come here. I absolutely am not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Emmett starts to dig around in their pack and uh, pulls out a uh, first aid kit. Let me see. Sure. Uh, I, I will reach out the arm, and I'm definitely, like, still looking at the wound, like, like, giving it sort of a second look over to make sure that there's not more bugs. Sure. I think that it's it's one of those... It's hard to tell if you're seeing bugs or if you're seeing, like, the weird after image of this kind of gross sight burned into your eyes. Um, Emmett does not see bugs. Okay, uh, And so the reaction I think that you get, Rook, is such that it's probably- you're probably just seeing things. Because you can't imagine okay. that this doctor would see bugs in your arm and not react to that. <laughs> yeah. Unless he's one of those, like, weird hippies that's like, oh, the maggots will eat the infection. <laughs> like, what is this, Game of Thrones? <laughs> no, but, oh, um... cool, bugs! <laughs> My favorite! Sick, uh... I love blood bugs. <laughs> I, I'm Rook. Rook is gonna keep quiet for now. Um, she doesn't want she doesn't want anyone to think that she's like already cracked under pressure or something. Yeah. Um, and this is just gonna be. She just keeps telling herself it's just another scar to add to all the other ones she's got. So I think that Emmett, this first date is probably a roll. Okay. So when you attempt something risky, uh, say what you hope will happen. And then ask the GM and other players what could possibly go wrong. I hope to stop this bleeding and keep out any strange infection. What could go wrong? Seems so straightforward. I'm like, what could go wrong? I know, especially as a trained professional. Um, but then again, as a neurologist, how much wound dressing are you normally doing? <laughs> mm, it's true. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, it's on my skills list. What do you want from me? <laughs> I guess you could forget a step in, in the cleaning or something. Mm. Um, um, it could take you a long time, and there's no guarantee that this thing wouldn't come back. Mm. Or that something else wouldn't come out of the woods. Or that something else wouldn't come out of the woods. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't put enough maggots on it before I wrap it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I'm always forgetting. Is it this many maggots or this many maggots? I, I read a journal a few weeks ago. I think they've upped the number by three. And it's just, it's so weird to think about. Seems a waste. Yeah, it went from zero to three, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you were definitely skilled at this. So that's one light die. Um, does anyone have a devil's bargain to offer? Um, maybe it uses up more of your medical supplies than anticipated. Could be a devil's mm. bargain here. Maybe uh, when you pour, when you put the uh, antiseptic on my arm, I, I uh, just reflexively punch you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, I think it's I think it's early. I don't want to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, and then are you willing to risk your mind or body in order to succeed? Oh no. Great. <laughs> so one one light colored die here. Okay. That's a six. Oh, wonderful. Beautiful. So you succeed. I feel like the you succeed describe how really works better for elaborate actions more so than for bandaging somebody's wounds. But if you want to go <laughs> ahead and describe how you do so, feel free. You know, I think I'll leave that to the listener's imagination, just how yeah. beautifully wrapped this is. A little bow on top. <laughs> <laughs> Clean it, wrap it, secure it, good to go. Uh, Rook, it, it's a little sore, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And you, you mm. can no longer see bugs because there's a bandage over it. So that's great news. Yeah. Um, I think that as you finish up, um, the three of you can sort of still hear the sort of half roar, half groans that this creature is emitting as it starts to get farther and farther away from you, headed in the direction that Rook scared it off. But it, it seems to be out of your way for now. All right. Well, so it stays out of our way. I I still don't think we should follow it. Well, are you good to carry on, Rook? Yeah. Yeah, it'll take more than this to put me down. All right. Lee, before all of this happened, you did manage to successfully collect those samples, so you have, I think, a good a good few samples here. I think as you continue on, um, you probably collect a couple more of them. Um, there is at one point a... You, com you come across a pond, and there is some, uh, you know, small wildlife in the pond some little lizards some tadpoles things like that um if you wanted to to collect those samples oh yeah for sure just get a little scoop of the pond water yeah i think in it you can see like you you catch a couple of these kind of tiny like fingernail sized lizards which are, are covered in sort of like patches of kind of red brown lizard skin and also areas where their skin looks um either more like like fish scales or in some cases this sort of like bright translucent green of like a chlorophyll rich leaf i've got to get this under a microscope while lee's collecting samples i think ivy just can't help herself and she's gonna poke around the edge of the pond and try to find like some salamanders like look under rocks See if there's any salamanders or crayfish or anything like that. Yeah, I think you find maybe a couple a couple bigger versions of these little lizards um, that have the same kind of weird patchy skin. Um, I think somewhere you you lift one of these rocks and something moves and you think that it's a snake. Uh, and then you realize that it's just a very thick vine. But it moved um, like a snake, you thought? Oh, okay. After, after that, no more rocks. <laughs> no, I'm done after that one. <laughs> Emmett, are you doing anything in particular here? Uh, I think just kicking around the outside of the pond, looking for any sign of uh, anything that is in his dead, any bones or anything like that. 
I think you don't find anything that is dead. And I think that that is strange. Yeah, I pull out a little pad and start to take some notes about the canopy that's that's blocking out the sun and no sign of um, like life decay so far. Um, and you uh, you all manage to, to sort of give these samples and take these notes and then set back off on your way, I assume. Yes. Yeah, I, I think at some point Lee like wades a little too far into the pond uh, to get some samples. So a little wet <laughs> now, just like mid thigh down, uh, drenched. <laughs> yeah, it's um uh, a little over enthusiastic in that moment. Yeah, Rook definitely demands that you check for leeches after that. Like roll up the pant legs to make sure you don't have any leeches. I don't know why I just have bugs on my mind. You know? <laughs> I, I I mean I'll do so. No leeches. Cool. Um, I ho- hope you brought extra socks. That's a good way to get a fungus. I assume we have changes of clothing. Yes, I think so. It's also, I think, kind of of weather-wise here, it is kind of of warmish. It's kind of high 70s. It's a little humid. Um, It's not uncomfortably so, um, but it's certainly not, like, cold enough for walking around in wet pants to be, like, devastatingly uncomfortable. And you all continue to, to walk, to make your way according to this sort of vague maybe correct map that you have uh, to make your way towards the the center of the quarantine zone was the was the pond on the map like have we actually passed any landmarks uh i think the pond was on the map yes um it's a pretty it's a pretty small pond and the map is not super high resolution or terribly detailed um but it's this is roughly where there should have been a pond yes okay and and also as per the map you walk a little ways further and you sort of come out of this wooded area into a a field. And according to your map, you should, you know, you'll walk through this field for an hour or so and then come back into another sort of heavily wooded area. And as you sort of open out onto this plain that, that slopes slightly downward in the direction of uh, what you can see is a tree line that seems pretty accurate, again, sort of landmark-wise. You can see this tree line in the distance and you all start making your way towards it. And and half an hour passes, and an hour passes, and an hour and a half passes, and two hours pass. And that tree line seems kind of just as far away as it did when you oh. first made your way into this field. The, the strange thing is that it doesn't look like you are still in the same place. The, the landscape around you has, has changed, you know? There were some sort of pink flowers off to the side early on, and now those are not there anymore, and, you know, something else has taken their place. It looks like you are making progress here, but the tree line doesn't appear to be getting any closer. Well, as long as we're walking, we might as well play a game. I spy with my little eye something green. Tree. Well, leaves, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. If I turn around and look back, how far away does the tree line that we came out of look? Far. Oh, that's a good question. It looks far. It looks, you know, two, two and a half. You know, you're, you're losing sight of it. Again, it's it's up a little bit of an incline, so you can sort of still see it a bit. But it it's not just behind you, certainly. I want to peer down the scope of my rifle towards the, the tree line we've been heading towards to see if see if there's anything there that I can see. Trees? 
just trees. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. Um, I think that you can see again, like along the tree line, not not very much. Um, I think that as you are sort of scanning the area around, um, you can see that sort of partway between where you are now and the tree, you can see sort of just off to the east, there appears to be some kind of structure, um, like a small building. It might it might be a ranger station or a, a small cabin of some kind, something like that, which which you definitely didn't see before this structure. So again, sort of, huh. sort of indicating that you are actually moving somewhere, despite the fact that the tree line is not getting any closer. Um, there is a, a building sort of I'm, a little ways off to the east. Hmm. I'm going to propose that maybe we change our course slightly and head towards the building. I think so, too. That's fair. All right. You all change course, make your way, you know, slightly northeast towards this building. Um, and that does get closer as you approach it quite quickly, actually. I think after making so little progress for, you know, two, two and a half hours, it's amazing how quickly you can close the gap between you and something that you see in the distance. And as you get closer, it looks like whatever this is um, probably was some sort of cabin. I say was and probably because it's hard to make out the actual structure itself. Um, the whole thing is overgrown with this purple flowered vine that appears to be growing up from out of the ground and sort of up its walls over most of the, the roof. It seems to be sort of, of curling in through the doorway. And also uh, sort of spread out um, about six feet on all sides of the cabin itself in a perfect circle. Perfect circle. Uh -huh. Is this what they call a uh, a fairy circle? I want to step through that circle so bad. Oh, I... <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... You're going to step in? Yeah, I'm going to step in. All right. When you attempt a risky task, say what you hope will happen and ask oh, the no. GM and the other players <laughs> what could possibly go wrong. Uh, I mean, what I ideally want to happen in a perfect world is I, I have some understanding of what these flowers are. Oof, so many things could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yes, hit me. You could get injured. Uh, the ground beneath the vine coverage could be unstable somehow. You can't see beneath it, so you don't know, you know, what's in there. You might disrupt something inside of this cabin. Anyone else want to throw out some ideas here? You might perturb something in the flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, we are. I already saw one vine move, so for all I know, these vines move too. So it could just be like a... <laughs> just wrap around your leg or something as you step over it delightful all right so take one light color die if the task is something you are skilled at do we think that nature here feels skilled i think so i think so i think so i think i've, I've spent enough time in forests mm -hmm. and around things like this where it's like okay i kind of understand the inherent risk of like <laughs> moving in a forest generally yeah it sounds like you're certainly risking your mind or body in order to succeed. <laughs> yeah. So that's one light, one dark. Um, does anyone have a good devil's bargain here? The only thing I can think of is an extra die for something, maybe like pollen or something on the flowers that, that gets on you that is a natural attraction for something else. I'm absolutely taking that. <laughs> oh, <bargain>. God. <laughs> Oh, no. Being marked by the flowers. I, I just really, Devil's bargain is <laughs> is something that, if I succeed, happens. It happens regardless of success. It happens no matter okay. what. 
Gotcha. So if you accept this, you will be marked by the flowers regardless of the result of your roll. All right, um, sorry. <laughs> sorry, folks. <laughs> I'm doing it. All right. Hey, that's a six. A, a two right. and a six on light dice mm. and a three on dark dice. Because the dark die is not the highest, you don't take any ruin here. Um, and a six means you succeed completely. Uh, so, so describe how. What are you doing as you step into these flowers? That's an excellent question. Um, I think I step through no issue. I think as I take a deep breath <laughs> in, um, just a little a piece of pollen from a flower uh, it <laughs> finds its way up my nose. You, I think, as you look at these flowers from sort of, of within this circle rather than from outside of it, you can see that the flowers themselves against the like dark green of the vine seem to make a sort of pattern. Ooh. It's hard to make out what the pattern is, and part of the reason it's hard to make out is because you sort of look at the pattern, and then you turn and look the other way to see if there's a pattern sort of to the side of you, and you turn to look back, and it's a different pattern. And whatever pattern these flowers are in, the despite the fact that the you don't feel the, the ivy moving, the pattern of flowers appears to be sort of constantly shifting around you. Oh, I I want very much to reach out and touch one, but I think I know that that's a bad idea, even by my standards. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. You don't want to try to take a sample of these flowers? <sighs> Are these the same purple flowers that I was able to take a sample of earlier? They, they're the same color, they're the same petal structure. They're larger? Yeah, okay, I'll take a sample. <laughs> okay. You reach down oh, and you, you, you know, clip off a couple of these and put these in like a, like a little petri dish or something like that. Uh, it's, I mean, it's probably like a plastic baggie. Sure, honestly. yeah. Some sort of little container where, where it will be safe and you can slip it into your pack. And, and yeah, it is, uh, you know, the, the flowers, you know, these, the shape of purple flowers kind of shifts around you as you crouch down and cut one of these flowers away. And as you stand back up. And then they seem to shift such that there is a patch of this ivy that has no flowers, like a path that is leading you back out of the circle. All right. Do, uh, do, do the rest of us see that? Are you, is that what you're focusing on? I think I'm probably just watching to make sure that Lee doesn't get, like, swallowed up by a big, you know, sure. uh, little shop of horrors <laughs> monster. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then yeah, I think you do You do see that. I think you maybe didn't notice that the flowers seemed to be shifting until that happened. Now, I'm more of an animal person than a plant person, but flowers don't normally move, right? That's correct. Not that fast, anyway. Uh, and I think that in that moment, taking a moment to glance up at the sky again to see, you know, we've been out in this open field. What does the sky look like here compared to when we were in the canopy? Still blurry and kind of indistinct. I think you can make out that the sun has moved about the, the right amount based on how long you think you've been walking and how long your watch says. You can see that it's kind of directly overhead now. But it's, it's again, it's like smudged. And I point up, indicating to Rook, it doesn't quite seem like overcast anymore, does it? Rook kind of squints and goes, huh, yeah, that is pretty weird. 
Well, I guess I guess that's what we're here for, though, right? For you two to look at all the weird shit. Yes, I suppose that is why we're here. As you, or I guess do you, head off from this, this little cabin at this point? And if so, which way do you head? Do you continue? Are we going towards the tree line the way you were going? Or in a different direction? Are we going to investigate the structure at all? I'm not crazy about stepping inside the ring of <laughs> of flowers. Um, I'm already here. I can do it. If you want it, if you want to. Yes, it I'll may- take a peek inside. <laughs> See if there's anything. May not be a bad idea. There could be something useful. Yeah, I'll take a peek. All right, so you ignore the path that the flowers have made for you uh, and continue closer to this cabin. For now, hopefully it'll still be there (laughs) (laughs) when I'm done, hopefully. And as you make your way towards the structure, you can see that there are places where the wood that would have once made up this small cabin has been completely eaten away and replaced with this ivy that is, is climbing up it. There is is no door anymore. As you go in, there appears to be no floor anymore. It is just this ivy. You sort of, of, of poke a head in through the open doorway, and there, there are sort of remnants of what was once probably a table um, and a chair and and not much else. Either this place was pretty empty originally or everything else that was in it has sort of already been consumed or grown over or removed maybe there are places where like the ceiling along one wall shouldn't still be holding up because there's no wall beneath it but this ivy is is holding it in place and keeping it in shape and i think as you as you look inside the shape that the flowers are making inside of the cabin like on the floor of the cabin rather than being this sort of shifting pattern seems to be one kind of continuous shape which is the shape of a a body on the ground, um, kind of like a crime scene outline, except instead of chalk, it is these purple flowers. Oh, is that sight disturbing to you? Um, you know, I think yes. Okay. <laughs> so, when you witness or undergo something disturbing, make a ruin roll by rolling one dark die. If the dark die rolled is higher than your current ruin, which is three, yes, is three? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Then you will add one to your ruin, uh, and I will tell you how the forest is warping your mind and body. You rolled a two, so you don't take ruin here. You manage to sort of keep your cool as you look at this, like, body, human body outline in the flowers inside of this cabin. Yeah, I think I just back up and out. And, uh, find my way. That path is still there for you. I whisper a little thank you to the vines for leaving this path for me still. Uh, and I leave. Do you tell your companions what you saw? Uh, I think I just say there wasn't anything in there. Yeah, that's a shame. Okay, which way from here? Well, which way now? The tree line doesn't seem to be getting... It, it, we weren't, we, that was very far, right? Yeah, it feels like yeah. we've been walking for a while. Yes. Well, we could always try a different, a slightly different destination. Maybe just heading from, to the tree line from here. Maybe this will be sort of different enough that whatever effect that was, we'll, we'll walk out of it. Because, I mean, we were able to get closer to this place. 
Yeah, it's worth giving a try. Yeah, right. All right, so you all head back towards the tree line from here. And the same sort of thing happens. You walk for a while and it doesn't seem any closer. Dang it. All right, here's the new idea. Uh, turn 90 degrees and start walking in that direction instead. Okay. East or west? Uh, well, east is where we just came from, right? Kind of. The cabin was east of your original, or northeast of your original position. And then you presumably headed northwards north from, from there. there. Okay. You can keep on heading east. So we're going to treat it like a riptide? Uh, out of character. I don't know what that means. Uh, that was- <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think. I'm like, oh. I feel like <laughs> I, I like, should what know that what that means, but... Uh, yeah, you're supposed to swim. Perpendicular? Uh, yes, Not yes, against a riptide, but perpendicular, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Then yes. <laughs> so you all turn east and start walking. Um, again, the landscape around you, you know, changes. The cabin disappears behind you. And after about an hour, uh, I think, Emmett, it's you who, who looks up and sees a tree line on the horizon. Oh. And you... Take a look at your compass, and you are walking north. And does the tree line seem to be closer? No. Mm. Well, now, hold up one moment, please. What does your compass say? Well, what does my compass say? <laughs> north. It also says, okay, uh, mine says north. Wait, we started heading east. Yes, riptide. Huh. Uh, could we... I don't think we could have gotten turned around. I mean, got a decent sense of direction, I think. What time of day is it now? It is early afternoon, judging by the sun. Can I look around and see if there's any kind of signs of animals having passed through here, like uh, tracks or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you need to roll for that. I think that's well within your skill set, not terribly risky. Um, I think that you can see... Not as many as you would expect, maybe. It, again, this is like a, a kind of very open field. Um, not a lot of, of foliage or underbrush, but, you know, grass. I think that the main thing that you see is not a ton of evidence of, like, smaller animals like you would expect in this kind of area. Um, you do see hoof prints at one point. Um, and they're sort of, of leading off to, if, if you are currently going north, if your compass is right, then they are sort of headed east from here. Well, something came through here, and we don't see it. So possibly it got to the other side. Alternatively, it kept walking and is lying dead somewhere in the field. So well. I, but I think we should follow these tracks either where the way they came or the way they were headed. I'm assuming that animals know how to navigate this, which is a pretty big assumption, I well, guess. I mean, it's we'll find out at the end of this. <laughs> I think we should follow the way it was heading. I almost feel like we should go the way it came, because we're not heading anywhere. If we were to follow, say, our own tracks, we'd get nowhere. Uh, let me, I just wanted to see something very quick. Uh, and I'm going to just close my eyes and run towards the tree line. Nice. Okay. Uh-uh. Just like as fast as you can go. Uh, no, just a just a, just jog, a jog, but enough you to like trip on get a rock some distance. And die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna le- lean over to Lee and go, what the hell is he doing? I'm trying to decide if this is a roll or not. 
Have you ever tried to run in a forest? Well, it's, it's, it's a field. Eyes closed. It's a, yeah, it's we're a, in a field, field right now. You're not. You know, this is this is not wooded area necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the question the question for is this a roll or not is also the question of what could possibly go wrong. If enough interesting things could go wrong, then it's a roll. <laughs> um. Well, trip and fall over like a rock or or uh, you know dip yeah, in the ground. Yeah, fall and break your ankle. <laughs> Get separated from the group. Mm-hmm. Find a big animal. Yep. The 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 general go to. You're noisy and attract something's attention. <laughs> so yeah, I think this can be a roll. Okay. I don't think that you are skilled at running. No, no. <laughs> Forensics, medicine, surgery, secrets, <laughs> not running. First off, how dare you? <laughs> this doesn't count as surgery. <laughs> no, I I agree. Are you willing to risk your mind or body in order to succeed? Uh, I am. Yes, it sounded like that was the case. So you'll get one dark die here, and then if you want a, if you roll one dark die, you're guaranteed to not to take ruin necessarily, but to for it to count as a ruin roll. And your ruin is only two. Um, so if you want to take a light die to decrease the chances of that happening, um, I would say a devil's bargain here that I'm happy to offer is getting temporarily separated from the rest of the group. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. So one light die, one dark die. Go. <laughs> That's a one okay. and a two. So the good news is the two is the same as your ruin. So your ruin isn't going up. The bad news is that your highest die was a two. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on a one to three, you fail and things get worse. Uh, the GM describes how. The GM may also allow you to succeed, but things will get worse in some other way. And your your goal here was to, you were hoping that running with your eyes closed would help you to reach the tree line. Yeah, or to test or to, if, like, yeah. was there actual distance between the three of us now, or was I closer? Right. Did they perceive yes. me as further away? Are my senses interfering somehow? So the good news is that that did work. Uh, you are, there is distance between the three of you now, because <laughs> your devil's bargain is that you were separated from the other players temporarily. Um, so that's the devil's bargain. The the failure here, you um you you are not at the tree line though. It does actually look closer now than it was. Um, when you open your when you you know stop running and open your eyes, you can see ahead of you that you're closer to the tree line. Um, when you turn to look back the way you came, you are in fact far enough away from the other two that you cannot see them. I I think I open my eyes and I see the tree line closer. Aha! You see, and I and I turn around. There are some things that try to met with you. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> the second thing that you do see, as you sort of take in your surroundings here, is a uh, there's a there's a black plastic canteen on the ground behind you. Um, and you 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 look at it and you think, oh, I've I've my canteen has fallen off of my pack. And you reach around back to your pack, and you can feel your canteen is still on there. And you, you reach down to, to grab it, and as you do, the, the plastic that it's made of sort of disintegrates in your hand into like a dusty black mass that sticks to your fingers. And on the ground around it are several other pieces of equipment that look like they're from your pack. There's a radio, there's uh, a notebook, you know, a couple of other pieces of gear that you know are in your pack. There's a compass. There's a piece of shredded fabric that is the same sort of black kind of polyester material 
as your pack is made of, kind of littered around the ground around you. But your pack is perfectly intact. I slowly rise up with this goo on my hand and and try to shake my hand and and fling it off as I my eyes start to dart around the horizon trying to find the other two. Is this disturbing? Yeah, I think so. All right, go ahead and give me a a ruin roll. Roll one black die. It's four, which is higher than a two. So your ruin is going to go up to three. Okay. We're ruin twins now. (laughs) Ruin triplets. Ruin triplets. (laughs) Yay, ruin triplets. (laughs) You look down at this sort of black goo on your hand. And as you are looking at it, you feel like there is something slimy coating your tongue as well. I can't wait to see the name for that condition. Slimy tongue. (laughs) Oh, good. Slimy tongue. Bug wound, slimy tongue. <laughs> Ooh, bug wound, slimy tongue is my new D and D character's name. <laughs> hey there, kids! It's me, Bug Wound, slimy tongue. <laughs> Come on down to Cracker Barrel and meet me. So, uh, do we have? Do we have like walkie talkies? You've got radios. Would you okay, like to? I will attempt. Yeah, I'll attempt to raise uh, Emmett on the radio. I like to think they have a headset. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know why that's important for me to let the listeners know that I just I feel like <laughs> Ivy demanded a headset. It does. I, it does I feel have, important. I do have one question. Like cinematically, what did they see as I ran away? Oh, yeah, it's a good question. It, it was as if he like crested a hill that you couldn't see. Um, it was as if the curve of the ground here was sort of deceptive. He seemed to like go up. Uh, an incline and then move over the other side of it and out of sight. <laughs> yep, just dipped below the horizon. <laughs> Boy, look at him go. He sure is fast. <laughs> <laughs> so you you attempt to to radio him? Yeah. What do you say? Hey Forrest Gump, we uh we saw you running. Uh but we can't see you anymore. I think that instead of coming through on your radio, Emmett it comes through on the radio on the ground. Yes. Oh, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I still try to take mine out anyway. Sure, yeah. And talk into it, but I'm just watching the one on the ground. Yes, I was able to make it somewhere. I'm closer to the tree line, but I cannot see you anymore somehow. You did open your eyes now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <sighs> well, okay, so closer to the tree line. I can't believe that worked. What I was, yes, what, you you missed my moment of triumph when I opened my eyes and I was closer. I was going to state, uh, and my eyes start, like, darting around again, looking up at the sky and the horizon, that there are uh, things in in some areas that uh, give off uh, gases or optical illusions, uh, and that sometimes the senses that you are trying to use get in your way uh, of of traveling. Well, okay then. Uh, I guess I, I'm gonna look at Lee and, and and say, I guess we'll try it too, and then shrug. Yeah. Wait, we don't want to lose track of each other though. We already lost him. We should like hold hands or something. 
I was just going to suggest that. I would actually like to, instead of closing my eyes, I, I kind of want to walk backwards. Yeah. To see if that yields the same result. Sure. Or is different somehow. You know what? I feel like if I'm walking forwards and you're walking backwards, we're somehow going to like tumble over each other. So I will also walk backwards, <laughs> holding your hand. <laughs> what a romantic first date. <laughs> um, all right. So you two hold hands, begin to walk backwards. Uh, and Emmett, you can see them again sort of crest over this, this imperceptible hill back into your vision. And they, they make their way towards you. I Yeah, I think as they're getting close, backing up, you know, just Emmett's voice is suddenly there. Congratulations, you found a second method. All right. Uh, do we see the stuff on the ground? Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, was there a team before us? I'm asking the other characters. Uh, no, I don't think so. Although, curiously, we are named Delta. I don't know what that says about Alpha, Beta, or Charlie. Uh-huh. So either we're not the first team, and this is someone else's gear, or somehow our stuff, because it, it's very obviously the same stuff that we have. It's, you know, it's got the little advance logo on it. Is it labeled in any other way? No, it's got the little advance logo on it, just like yours. Other than that. <laughs> um... I think that I like the idea that there's a logo. I think that um maybe the like scrap of one of the scraps of fabric that is here looks like it might have been torn from a jacket and I think there's like what might be the beginning of a letter of a your your names are printed on your jackets. Um it might be the beginning of a name, but it's like half a letter and you can't, you know. Mm. It's like it it might be the first half of an L. It might be the first half of an I. It might be the first oh. line in an E. It's just, you know, <laughs> that one line that could be the beginning of any letter, essentially. You know, it's certainly not an S, but... I don't, I don't think we want to dig that up. You know, there are some animals that mimic others' behaviors. You mean an animals that mimic a jacket? Not saying necessarily an animal. Just something. That makes me feel a little better. I thought you were going to suggest some kind of chrono loop or something. Oh, what? Isn't that... That's one of them JRPGs, right? Chrono loop? Uh, <laughs> close. But yes, the idea is the same. It's some kind of a, a time loop that we are stuck in here and we live and die over and over again. Oh. Well, we can't rule out that possibility either. Oh, man. I <sighs> Time travel movies always gave me a headache. Well, do let me know if anyone else seems to find... And I look down at the the pieces of equipment that are there that are kind of specific to me. If anyone else seems to find the remnants of their own corpse, it might be worth noting. Uh, Lee thinks about <laughs> the uh, outline of a body he saw in the building, but does not say anything. Well, I'm ready to leave this behind. <laughs> yep. Yes. So backwards. Always forward. Well, except when we walk except backwards. Except this time. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So headed backwards towards the tree line. Well, headed, mm -hmm. headed, facing backwards, headed forwards towards the tree line. <laughs> uh, the three of you continue to walk and it's like 10 minutes and you all are at the tree line. Uh, 
It is quicker than it should be, probably. Um, but especially mm. after how long you had been walking through this field, it feels very quick. And as you reach the tree line, uh, you notice that, you know, it's it's starting to get dark. The sun is moving towards the horizon. Um, and it is quite dark under the trees. Um, and based on your your map, you know, theoretically, this is a, a fine place to to set up camp for the night. You know, you've you've made it roughly a fifth of the way towards the center, um, despite the like hours that you spend walking through what should have been like an hour long field. And and you begin to, I assume, uh, begin to set up camp. Does that sound about right? I think so. Yeah. You've got, you know, three tents. You've each got a tent in your pack that you can set up. You've got, again, these like portable kind of small compact machines if you want to run your samples um lee that you had picked up start to run these through these machines they'll take a few hours but you can put them in you can you know set it up check in the morning before you all set off on your way you know you've got food for the night you've got nice warm sleeping bags um is there anything in particular you all are doing before you turn in for the night do we want to set up a, a watch that's probably a good idea yeah uh how do we want to do i draw straws or can I request last watch so I can be up when these samples are done processing? Sure. Thanks. Uh, I'm fine to take first. Very well. Or middle, I mean. Uh, does any of your... Uh, I don't necessarily have any equipment that sees well in the dark besides a flashlight. I don't know if you've got any, I don't know, night vision, anything. I don't know what you're carrying around, but that might be better for the middle of the night. Yeah, no, they... Uh, well, I guess maybe, I don't know if this is a question for the GM, actually, whether or not I have night vision anything. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, I was gonna say no. I was gonna up say to you. <laughs> My real answer is up to you, but. Um. Why the hell okay. not? Uh, because it's cooler that way now. <laughs> <laughs> I th- well, actually, you know, I, I'm willing to bet that I have a, like, a night vision scope. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think I have goggles necessarily i think that works but i mean you could just look through it if you want it doesn't have to be attached to the gun yes all right uh, question for you both though thinking back to what we just experienced it reminds me very much i'm not sure if you're familiar with the lore of baba yaga but the way that you enter her house there's a a little phrase you must say turn your back to the forest your front to me is interesting having to walk backwards towards the forest to gain entrance. All I know about the Baba Yaga is the, the whole the chicken leg house. Ah, uh, yes. When did you learn so much about Russian folktales? I'm a big proponent of cryptid lore. Uh, a lot of the circles that I run in used to work with uh, involved that kind of thing. I've, uh, I've been the, the tour guide for some it's eccentric types. Yes. Good to know you both have experience with the strange. There's not much here that isn't so far. Yeah, I think uh, after this, I'll be good on strange for my lifetime. I thought I'd seen it all. There's always more to see. So, Rook, you are taking the first third of the evening to watch. Mm -hmm. The forest around you is quiet. It's a fairly uneventful watch. Though as you are, you know, it's, it's once it is kind of fully dark, you are, are you 
have you just like found somewhere to sit? Are you, you know, patrolling around the area? What are you, how are you going about this, this watch? I assume that we've got like a campfire going. Sure. Uh, so I think I'm just kind of maintaining the campfire and just sort of um, look around every once in a while, maybe stand up and do like a little turn around the tents and then sit back down for a bit. I think um, during one of these sort of brief patrols, you think you hear something moving beyond the the sort of, of boundaries of your camp. But after, a, you know, a few minutes, the, the noise passes. It seems like whatever it was was just kind of passing nearby to you. Um, and other than that, it is is relatively quiet. And then after a while, your you know your watch tells you that it is is about time to to switch. Do you go and and okay. wake Emmett up? Yeah, try not to scare him. <laughs> um, Emmett, how are you going about your watch? Are you using this night vision scope that Rook has given you? Uh, if I hear something, yes, sure. Um, but I think other than that, I'm I'm sitting at the fire and I'm writing and just getting up and walking around the fire every now and then and just listening. Yeah. What are you, what are you writing? Just some random thoughts about what could possibly be going on. Um, you know, is this some kind of strange temporal event? Is it something to do with, you know, the, the growth of nature here? Like all the possibilities that we kind of talked about, a time loop or something mimicking us, just notes of anything that it, it could be and um, like putting little lists underneath them of like, oh, if it was this, here's how we might check to see if that's what it is. Um, I think probably about halfway through your watch shift, uh, you do, you begin to hear something um, sort of just beyond the edge of your camp, something kind of rustling in the underbrush. Uh, yeah, so I will... Get so that my back is to the fire, uh, so that I'm not trying to look over the fire <laughs> with this scope uh, and see if I can see anything. Um, yeah, you see a sort of, of large-ish shape a little ways off. I think it looks like it is, if not the same creature as you saw earlier, something similar. Um, that kind of, of big-ish wounded bear or moose or strange hybrid between the two. Um, and I think that it is only after you have seen it and identified it that you can, you realize that you can hear it's sort of like low, pained, moaning noise. Are you injured? This moaning noise continues. Come here, come closer, let me see if there's something that ails you. I can't see it in the darkness. It begins to move in your direction. That's right. Come on. And I will set the scope down and uh, dig into my pack and, and get the, the first aid kit out and just kind of wait to see what happens. It moves towards you, sort of, of past the trees that, that define the clearing in which you've set up this camp uh, and sort of into view. And you can, it is, it is very dark, but with the light of the fire, you can sort of make out again, it's like, bear-like face and it's it's moss-covered antlers and it it sort of comes to a stop and then less like it is sitting down and more like it is falling it sort of of moves to lay down on the ground near you and you can see that it 
it has a, a wound on its side. Uh, I will stand so that I'm I'm in its line of sight, and I uncuff my sleeve and I I roll it up, and you can see that there is this almost like a a, a nodule on my forearm uh, of of skin that has kind of of bubbled up and it's green and there are veins running out of it into my the rest of my arm. I've never quite seen anything like you before. You're you're unusual. But so am I. It's all right. I'm not going to hurt you. It sort of falls silent as if it is is heeding your words. Uh, yeah, so I will go and try to see what this wound is. This sounds like a risky task. Yeah. <laughs> say what you hope will happen and ask the GM and the other players what could possibly go wrong. Um, so I think what I hope will happen is that I can figure out what happened to it, um, if not how to fix it, because it seems like it's been going around wounded for a while, so I don't know that there's any way to to help it, but if I could figure out either what did it or how to, you know, ease its suffering. Yeah. Uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> what couldn't? <laughs> Him chomp. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Him chomp. Yeah, lashing out in fear. Yep. Just general risk of injury by a large animal. Yeah. Uh, accidentally killing it? Oh. Yeah. Oh. That, that's almost, that almost seems worse somehow. I'm not sure yeah. why, though. Um, infection risk. Lots of great stuff. All right. So you're definitely skilled in this. This is medicine. Slash, well, it's not quite surgery. It's some combination of, it's medicine. Yeah. Are you willing to risk your mind or body in order to succeed? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's something strange in this environment and if if we could possibly have an ally yeah it might be worth the risk sure um does anyone have a devil's bargain to offer here don't think so yeah i don't i can't think of anything all right so one one light one dark okay <laughs> you rolled a, a <laughs> oh light yes four and a dark Ooh. six yeah uh, yes. so your ruin's going to go up to 4 uh-huh Feels appropriate here. Yeah. Uh, and you succeed. Full success. So is this is this success both sort of successfully identifying what's going on as well as sort of, of healing it enough that it won't be so injured anymore? What is the what does your success here look like? Um, that's a good question. I think the, what I want to ask is, you know, uh, before the idea of can I can I lessen its suffering? Can I figure out what did this? Can I heal it? so that it will be okay like is there a is there a trade-off here can i can i heal it so that it will be okay and not be able to identify it or if i want to identify it is it just kind of uh put at ease like is there a what what's the condition of this thing before i i try to work on it does that make sense yes that does make sense I think the easier thing to do here is going to be to sort of identify it in part because what you're identifying is difficult to fix. Yeah. So I guess just to to give you some maybe I should maybe I should give you your your condition first. Um only because what I'm about to say may incur a second ruin roll. Okay. Um <laughs> So you were you were going to to look at this and you're you're having a little bit of trouble seeing. 
Um, and you think at first that maybe it's just because you're sort of doing this by firelight, which is not great light for doing medical work. Um, yes. Do you pull out a flashlight to get a better look? Yeah, once it seems like it's not, it, that it's it's going to relax, yes. Okay, you pull out your flashlight, um, and that definitely sheds some more light on what's going on, but your your vision is still, like, a little blurry in one eye. It's like there's there's something in your eye, like right in the corner of your eye that is um, obscuring your vision a little bit, just blurring it slightly. Almost so that out of one eye, everything kind of looks the same as the sky looked earlier. And when you go and sort of try to rub it out of your eye, this like film of it's like a strange mix of that black goo that you that the the canteen left on your hands earlier and what looks like it might be like like a thick green kind of algae and you wipe it away and your vision clears and all of the like green colors around you are slightly brighter and i'm going to call this condition um blurry eyes got a bad case of the green eye yeah but once you've cleared your eye, um, and I think even maybe the the emphasis on green that you are now seeing is helping a little bit as you take a look at this creature's wound. It doesn't look like an injury that was, say, caused by another creature. It doesn't look like scratches. It doesn't look like a bite. At first, it doesn't look like anything understandable. Like, it's not a recognizable wound of any kind. There's just this sort of, mm. like, mass of injured flesh. But the closer you look the clearer it becomes that it's less like there is an injury in this thing's flesh and more like this thing's flesh has been constructed around a pre-existing injury. It's like the hmm. skin has grown to accommodate this wound somehow. Mm -hmm. um, the skin and the sort of patchy kind of mangy looking fur on its side. Um, and the closer you look, it, it looks like this might have been a bullet wound. And the other thing that you see as you look at it is that there appears to be sort of movement within the wound. And as you move your flashlight to get a closer look, you see a sort of swarm of tiny white insects. Mm. Is that disturbing? <laughs> you know, I, boy, I almost don't think so. Sure, that, yeah. That that insects on wounds isn't as jarring because of some of the, the skills that I have. Yeah, I think that's fair. But yeah, based on the way that this thing's, again, this thing seems less to be wounded and more to have been shaped around this wound, it seems like it would be difficult to fix. You could certainly try. Yeah, I think I, I will then try to just make it comfortable sure um and i don't know if that involves you know you said earlier that we had the impression that it was looking for a place to die mm -hmm. um and so i don't know if that entails you know giving it some some painkillers and just sitting by the fire and kind of rubbing its head until it goes to sleep yeah yeah i think that works um and i think that you know it sort of, of closes its eyes and its breathing slows. And then, you know, after about an hour or so, you can feel that its breathing has, has stopped. Um, when you go to wake Lee for his watch, do you tell him about this? Uh, yeah. I, in fact, I, I, I hate to do it, but I think I wake up Rook as well. 
um, just for a moment to to tell them both uh, this thing. It, it came here. It was wandering out there. It approached, injured. I'm getting more and more unsettled by the idea of being stuck in some kind of a loop. It seems like that thing had a, a bullet wound. But the skin, it, it grew around it. Not a fresh wound, but an old one, like the body formed around the wound. Like a scar? No, still raw and weeping, filled with maggots. When Emmett says weeping, uh, Rook rolls her eyes. Does that mood change when he says maggots? <laughs> when he says maggots? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like mid-eye roll and, and then just sort of a like quick freeze. <laughs> And I actually, I think maybe I should check on my wound. Are you going to do that here? Or are you going to go back to your tent and deal with it there? Um, I, I'll, I'll deal with it at the tent. Yeah, I'll wait till I'll wait till I'm alone. Cool. Lee, Lee puts a hand on Emmett's shoulder and says, uh, you did the right thing. Comforting it. I mean. Is it still breathing? No, it's... It seems to have passed on. I obviously didn't want to startle you with its appearance. I know that you understand nature and animals much better than I, if you want to take a look at it. Rick's going to walk over, examine it a little bit, and then very quickly put, like, two bullets into its skull, just to be sure. Yeah. It doesn't move. That's not difficult. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess that's one less thing to worry about. Make sure you, like, get some hand sanitizer or something if you touched it. I'm not sure how you think this is one less thing to worry about. Well, if it's dead, then it can't claw me up again. Yes, we'll see. Come tomorrow night if it's still dead. Rook doesn't say anything, but she definitely, like, that definitely does give her, like, a little shiver. She would never admit it, but... Okay, uh, yeah, I'm gonna get back in my tent and, and check my bug wound. Yeah, it, um, no, no bugs. <laughs> the oh. skin around the edges has started to turn a little green, but not the green of an infected wound. More like the green of a plant. Is that disturbing? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it is. Give me a ruin roll. Your ruin's at three. It's a two, so you're safe. Just, okay. just a little, just a little gross, but you managed to uh, to get back to sleep. Wrap up your yeah. arm and get back to sleep. Lee, are you taking over watch? Yes, I am. All right. So you you go to take over watch, and your machines running samples and whatnot are are almost done. Do you do you sit down to to wait? Are you pacing around the area? Um, I think I'm probably standing for a little bit, definitely keeping an ear out and an eye out, but <laughs> I, I think I also take my shoes and socks off and just feel the ground on my bare feet for a little bit, uh, maybe imagining them as roots and my body as vines with purple flowers. Yeah. You are doing this, and you are are overcome with the impulse to just like close your eyes and feel it. Um, and you you do you can imagine it perfectly. 
you can I- imagine your body turning into vines, into these purple flowered vines. And when you open your eyes, it is light outside, it is morning. You don't know how long your eyes have been closed. And as you open your eyes, the camp around you is destroyed. Oh, uh, no. your, your tent has been shredded apart, and the machines are crushed, and the samples are spilled out on the ground around you. But that's not the weirdest part. The weirdest part is that you, you know how the seasons work. You know where the sun should be rising right now, and it is not. It is rising from a position that it should be rising six months from now. Eight months from now. Completely different season. Go ahead and make a ruin roll. Yeah, all right. You're to three, and that's a four. So your ruin goes up to four. Boy, howdy. You go to move to rush over to your samples that have been probably destroyed beyond, you know, salvaging. And it is hard to lift your feet from the ground. It is like something is holding them or tying them down or rooting them to the ground. You manage to walk, you manage to to pick your feet up and go, but it is slow and difficult work. Let me give you the condition, rooted feet. Ah, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> yes, good. Camp is <laughs> destroyed. Your tent is destroyed. Your pack of gear has been torn open and its contents are spilled across the, the ground around your tent. I'm going to call out, uh, Rook? Emmett? Uh, I'm, I'm up, up in a flash. What's going on? You, <laughs> you uh, exit your tent and you can see what is going on. It is destroyed. What I, the fuck? How? I mean, I'm a deep sleeper. I, I just closed my eyes for a second. I don't. How did this happen without us waking up? Are you okay? Did something attack you? No, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, but look at the sun. It's, it's, it's all wrong. I, I don't, under, I, I don't understand. <sighs> Fuck this place. All my samples are destroyed too. We will never understand how this place works. Does that mean we can go now? If we can get out. Rook, you, um... When Advance sort of set all of this up for you, they sort of okayed everything that was going to be in your pack with you, but they packed it for you, except for one personal item that you are allowed space for. What did you bring? Well, they wouldn't let me bring the elephant gun. <laughs> um, I think that I brought my my favorite my favorite knife. They were giving me a knife, but I like to carry more than one. What does the knife look like? Uh, it's like a uh, pretty classic bowie with a uh, a hilt that's like carved from elk antler. As you are looking at the broken machines and, and scattered samples that Lee is pointing out to you, you see that knife on the ground at your feet and it is snapped in half. Uh, I check my boot where I keep it. It's not there. The fuck? Rook just, just makes like a big sigh and kind of um, sits down to think about this. I, I, I'm i sorry. This is my fault. I should have 
I don't know, I should have been paying closer attention. No, what? Something, something got in here, stole my knife from my boot. I slept with my boots on without me knowing, destroyed your tent and, and all your, your science bullshit without waking us up. Where the hell's Emmett? Yeah. What? What? This, look at this, this. Look at this place, man. What happened? We don't know. We don't. We don't know. Yes, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> what? I don't. I, I'm sorry. It could be grogginess. What do you mean? We don't know. Ivy uh, points to the tent and all the busted up stuff and says, we don't know how this happened. Is your stuff messed up? Like, do you have all your stuff? Uh, I I turn back and and look at my tent and and step inside to make sure everything is okay. You were also allowed space for a a personal item. What did you bring? Uh, I think I brought the key card, uh, like the scan card, for the job that I lost that I'm trying to get back. Oh, Emmett, your key card is also missing. Um, Lee, you are, you are, as this is all happening, I assume sort of like looking around at the, the samples and all of that, the damage. Yeah, seeing if anything is salvageable. One of the machines seems to be not so much broken as jammed, and you, you know, sort of pry open a side panel, and there's a, a key card, like, shoved inside the machinery. Huh. Uh, I come out of the tent. Yeah, does it say Dr. Emmett Blackburn on it? Or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would. It would have my uh, my my picture on it, like a scan badge to get into uh, to sealed doors. You uh, you come back out of your tent and you look at Lee and he is holding your key card and looking in the side of a machine. What are you doing with that? It was in one of the machines. Uh, so something got into camp and, and went through our things while you were on watch and... It didn't wake us. You didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. Well, perhaps tomorrow night we all just get a full night of sleep and not worry about a watch since it doesn't seem to do any good. I would prefer not to be here for another night if that's an option. <laughs> you're, you're still of the belief that <laughs> that's our decision. They gave us rations for ten days. Rook picks up the, the hilt and whatever is left of the blade attached to it and uh, slips it back into the sheath in their boot and uh, they just fling the, the other half of the blade off into the brush somewhere. I hand the key card back to Emmett. Thank you. I take a moment to try to like straighten it back out and, and clean off the, the smudges. Alright, I think I think we have to make a decision here. Do we do we stick to the mission, or do we make a uh, tactical retreat? I I want to keep going forward. Maybe that doesn't make sense to either of you, but I need to keep going forward. I am inclined to agree. I have the very real impression that if we were to try and turn around and leave, I've already seen some of our fates. Well, shit. I'm not getting out of here on my own, so I guess I'm stuck with you two. Do you all pack up camp and set off towards the center? 
Yeah, how much of my stuff is recoverable? Like, do I have rations still? Do I have... So, yeah, your rations are mostly intact. Um, They're kind of scattered all over the place, but aside from one or two, you know, packages which have been torn open are mostly recoverable. Um, But you go to pick up one of these polypropylene bags that the rations are, are packed in, and one of the ones that is, is shredded open, you can see that there's like a, a thin film of like a sticky green algae coating the inside of the bag. Um, and and Rook and, and Emmett, as you go to sort of pack up your tents and your sleeping bags, you notice, I think Rook probably, you notice that there is also this this same kind of sticky green film of algae on the inside of your tent. And Emmett, you see it too, only it's on the inside of your sleeping bag. Aside from the your from your tent specifically, Lee, and the machines and the samples, which are pretty much destroyed beyond repair, most of your stuff is is fine. Um, I think maybe your radio is smashed, but other than that, you know, the majority of your stuff is is recoverable. Good to know. Um, I think after seeing the green film inside the tent. Rook is going to remember uh, that she, you know, what she saw in her arm. And I think she's going to she's going to show the other two uh, her wound. Yeah, it is. It is green around the edges. The same sort of shade of green as this this algae. What do you think? Should we cut it off? She is joking, but like not really joking. It would certainly make for an interesting experiment. I. I'm almost positive I could do it cleanly, but I found the same stuff inside of my sleeping bag. Has anyone noticed it anywhere else? I mean, it was in my tent. That's what reminded me to show you guys this. Some of my rations had been torn open. I was inside. Um, I want to walk over to the the creature that fell asleep and and look at it and see if there's any moss on it that looks like it resembles this color or texture yeah the um the the green on its antlers is the same i think you also notice a little bit of this around its sort of original wound um and where it's most densely concentrated is actually around the the bullet wounds from from rook in its in its head it sort of seems to be to have spread quickly from there and as you were looking at this, as you were examining, it almost looks as if this sort of algae-like material has covered over the the wounds from Rook. And as you were as you were looking sort of very closely at this, it opens its eyes, and its eyes are also covered over in this sort of of green algae. And it is it's still not oh. breathing, but it does begin to move. Uh, do you want to give me a ruin roll? <laughs> yeah, I I do. You're at a four. I am. It's a three, so your ruin doesn't go up. But okay, its eyes open and its head sort of turns, and its jaw sort of begins to move. It seems less like a conscious action and more like a sort of automatic reaction. It is it is opening and closing its mouth. First slowly, and then getting more forceful, as if it is sort of trying to bite at something. Uh, I think I turn to Lee. I know that 
this is your area of expertise. This this fungus, this moss, this whatever it is, could that be what's clouding the sky? Could we just be in a, a field of of the spores released, something that's controlling? I remember reading about a, a certain kind of fungus that could control ants. Cordyceps. Yes. It's possible. Uh, and as I'm saying these things, moving away from the the up and down mm-hmm. of the jaws. <laughs> Ruck, I think if we did cut your arm off, it wouldn't solve the problem. Oh, great. May make it worse. I don't know if you've ever seen Evil Dead, but... <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a chainsaw to replace the stump. Gotcha. Should I even bother shooting this thing again, or should we just leave it? I think we should just leave it. Yes, it's not making any of the I am a living animal sounds that it was when we encountered it the first time or even last night. Okay, then in that case, I'm ready to get the hell away from it. Yes. So you all quickly pack up the rest of your stuff and then continue on? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is, uh, it is not far from here uh, that you stumble across another clearing. Um, you walk for a little less than an hour, and you find yourselves in a clearing that is not marked on your map. And in the, in the center of this clearing... There is a sort of army green uh, vehicle, uh, a Humvee, sitting in the middle of the clearing. And it is sort of, its, it's wheels and the, the lower parts of the car are overgrown with this purple-flowered ivy that is like winding thick through the treads of its tires and up into its wheel wells that is prying open the doors to the vehicle from beneath that is sort of just beginning to reach up towards the roof of the vehicle. And there, it's hard to make out because the ivy is mostly covering the windows, but there appears to be something inside of it. What if there really were others before us? Could also be left over from whatever initial evacuation attempts were made back when this all started. Should we go find out? Ugh. If you want to, you can, but, uh, uh, I still, I don't trust these, these purple flowers. Might I'm be... curious by nature. Yes, it might be good to know if it's more from our group or perhaps remnants from the initial incident. Go over together. Okay. In for a penny. You all make your way towards the vehicle and begin to try to open the door. It falls open pretty easily. The vines have sort of, of already detached it from the car itself. And as the door falls away, so too do some of the vines. And as the vines fall away, you can see stenciled on the side of the car is the Advance logo. And as the door opens, you can see inside the vehicle, there are three corpses wearing, you know, gear much like yours. Jackets of the same color and material. There's, you know, a pack on the back seat that looks like yours. And the name tags stenciled into their clothing uh, identify them as part of Expedition Team Beta. I knew those sons of bitches were lying to us. Would you expect anything different? No, I guess not. Rook, you recognize one of them. Oh, Oh, no. Someone that you know or knew. Who is it? Uh oh. And how did you know them? Oh, wow. Um, 
I think maybe Rook recognizes the sort of mentor, uh, older colleague, the person who gave them their, their her nickname, Roger. Yeah, it is. It's hard to say for sure that that is who this is. That you feel you feel recognition as you look at the body. Um, it's hard to tell because not only has the ivy sort of seemed to have grown up through the floor of the truck and wrapped itself around these bodies a little bit. It actually seems less like that is what happened and more like the ivy is growing through them. It is it is coming out of their mouths and their noses and their empty eye sockets. Almost like it grew out of them first and then down into the car. Is this what's going to happen to me, guys? And I think that you are struck with the urge to confirm that this familiar body is who you think it is. And you lean forward to to get a better look at the name on their jacket. And you have to sort of, of adjust the, the seatbelt slightly to do so. And as you move the seatbelt, move the strap, the body sort of, of lurches forward as if the, you know, the strap was the only thing holding it in place. At least at first, that's what it seems like is happening, until the body keeps moving, until it reaches back and unbuckles its seatbelt and begins to get out of the car towards you. Oh, no! Oh, no. <laughs> oh my uh, god! Okay, I think maybe I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and use my ritual. Wonderful! <laughs> Tell me about your ritual. Which ritual do you have? So, I have repel, which... Uh, pushes away people or animals with force. So what I was thinking is that the boys at advance, when they gave me this this gun of their own design, it has an underbarrel grenade launcher uh, type of thing, but it, it fires concussive rounds that don't really cause any penetrative damage. They just mm-hmm. generate a lot of force and push things back, if that works. Yeah, I think it does. Um, you don't know what they put in this gun. Yeah, no, I just they told me that was it was like for emergency yep. for, for real bad things. <laughs> Alright, so in order to use a ritual, you must include a dark colored dye, risking your mind or body in order to succeed. You okay. are skilled with defense and combat, so I will say you're skilled in this. Does anyone have a uh, I guess first say what you hope will happen. Yeah, I I hope that it um blasts this whatever this is zombie or or body or whatever um as far away from me as possible uh and what what could possibly go wrong so so many things yeah um it could awaken the other corpses in this car yeah i was gonna say it could blast the other two free yeah (laughs) could misfire and just blow me yes something or one of your companions oh boy I'm going to say this one just because it it gets a little zany. It somehow gets the vehicle running. Oh. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Also, before we do this roll, you should make a ruin roll. Oh, okay. I, in fact, everyone sees this happen. Should everyone make a ruin roll? I think so. I think this is disturbing. Max, you you rolled a four. (laughs) Your ruin was at three, so your ruin goes up. See what everyone. Oh. <laughs> oh! 
Charlotte has rolled a, a six, so Lee's ruin will go up to five. Yeah. Oh. And Reb, you rolled a one, so you're fine. <laughs> Emmett's fine. Yeah, I was I was face to face with that moose thing when it happened. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So let me do. Actually, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Lee first because I know I know what I'm picking for Lee. Um, Lee, you go to sort of stumble backwards away from the car, and uh, and as you stumble backwards, your leg sort of buckles out from under you, and you fall to the ground. And it's, it, you know, the, the direction you were moving, it, it you know, it, it's possible you broke a bone or twisted something. And when you look down, your leg is at sort of the wrong angle. Um, and you go to look at it, oh. and the, none of the bones are broken. Nothing's broken. The joint in your knee, your knee joint, is the wrong way. And it doesn't hurt, but it is, your your leg, like your leg, your knee joint seems to be facing the opposite direction like the like the back legs of a deer or a horse uh, i have one digitigrade mm. leg yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's in fact exactly how i'm going to phrase it <laughs> on your conditions sheet so that's where you're at right now ivy you catch a as you as you go to pull this gun out and to aim it you catch a glimpse at your arm and the the green color has spread beyond the the bandage significantly. It is taking over most of your arm. I had a feeling. But the thing that you notice, stranger than that, is that you you can kind of see your veins through the skin, and instead of being the color of veins, they are greener than they used to be, and whiter and firm, like plant stems or vines rather than like veins. Oh, gnarly. Vine veins. <laughs> Your cells have walls now. <laughs> Bugwoon Bug vine, vine veins. veins. Does anyone have a devil's bargain for Rook trying to shoot this concussive round that is a ritual? Uh, maybe you getting caught up in the concussive force such that you'll sort of be stunned for a minute. I'll take that. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll take that. So two light dice, one dark die. Two sixes and a five. <laughs> and both sixes are on light dice. Wow. Well done. Wow. That was, that's the best roll you could have rolled. So I think that it's like just this, this very quick reflexive, um, you know, I don't think that uh, she really even fully puts the gun to her shoulder. And that's probably why it ends up kind of backfiring and stunning her a little bit as well as that she kind of gets uh kicked by mm-hmm. it a little bit harder because it's not braced and um i like the idea that it blasts this body and like it blows the door open and shoots the the uh yeah. plant person out the other That's side of the good. car <laughs> and then i am falling backwards in the other direction That's very good i think this is the body that was in the back seat there were two in the front seats and one in the back and so you just clear out the whole backseat, basically. This concussive round that Advance has made with technology they have pulled from the quarantine zone itself. What does it look like? Have you ever... Is that, has anyone ever seen uh, the, the first Hellboy movie, I mm-hmm. think it was? Yeah. Where he has his custom bullets that he makes, and they're like, they have... It's like, instead of a normal slug, it's like a clear tip that's got, like, iron shavings and holy water and all that stuff in it. Yes. I think it's something like that, just um, 
much larger and uh you can't really identify what the what's floating in it sure yeah um i think that as it sort of explodes there's like a puff of greenish pollen in the air and i think that, oh. that as per your devil's Shh. bargain you uh inhale some of that just a bit Oof. lee you are on the ground with your fucked up leg Emmett, what are you doing as all of this is going on? <laughs> I, as messed up as this sounds, I think I'm just watching it unfold. Yeah, sure. Lee, what about you? Are you getting back up at this point? Yeah, probably. Um, you can walk fine. I mean, you still it still takes a lot of effort to walk because your feet still feel like they're being sort of rooted to the ground. But this like backwards leg is not, again, it doesn't hurt. And it's not messing with your ability to walk. I've had worse. (laughs) (laughs) Emmett, you're watching this. Does seeing Lee's leg be backwards, is that disturbing? Yeah, I think the zombies and stuff, like knowing that the the moose was that way and and having this mindset of like the the fungus and the ants, I think all of that stuff is is easy to shrug off. But a backwards knee, I don't like that. Yeah, go ahead and give me a ruin roll. That's a six. No. Ruin goes up to five. <laughs> oh. Ruin twins. Oh boy. You uh this is this is disturbing and upsetting. You have to sort of look away and you look down at your hands and they seem strangely immaterial. You can almost see through them. Uh, except that everything through them looks smudged and blurry, like the sky. Mm. And you go to reach for something, and it 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 takes a minute to grab hold of it. You have to like concentrate and focus in order to hold something with your hand. No, this is not conducive. <laughs> Immaterial hands is the condition I have given you. <laughs> the uh, the other two bodies in the car appear to have have begun to move they're still strapped in so they are not like getting out of the car and going to attack you yet but they are they're beginning to move um and i think lee i think emmett is distracted enough by his hands um that lee is probably the one who notices it um lee you can see two things on the dashboard of the car one of them is a silver like point and click digital camera and the other appears to be a heavily annotated version of the map that you have. Uh, and there's a there's a big X, like right in the middle. Like X marks the spot. That's where you're headed. Am, am I able to grab them? I think it's a risk roll to try. Yeah, I'm willing to risk it. All right. So when you attempt a risky task, say what you hope will happen and ask the GM and other players what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> I want to grab the things. Plant zombies could injure you. Is one. Yep. Yeah. Could get grabbed. What else could go wrong? Anything else good? The car could suddenly start and lurch forward while Ooh, you're halfway that, in yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Is this something that you were skilled at? I don't think so. I don't think so. We lo- it, no, yeah, no. I, think, I think your observation allowed you to notice these things, but I don't think anything helps you reaching for them. Yeah. Are you willing to risk your mo- your body or mind in order to succeed? <sighs> What happens when I reach six ruin again? <laughs> Is that when I die? Uh, you don't die. Or become one with the forest, rather. Yes. 
Uh, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and read. When your ruin reaches six, you lose yourself to the wilds that have been growing inside you and become a twisted monstrosity in service to the forest. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, does anyone have a devil's bargain? Hmm. Uh, that you know you 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 get the stuff, but as you reach past one of the the soldiers strapped in. Uh, whisper something into your ear. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, that's so good. Uh, well, of course I'm fucking taking that. <laughs> that's phenomenal. All right, so one light die, one dark die. <laughs> Fuck me. All right, hey, well. So that's a six <laughs> is the good news. The bad news is that it is on your dark die, which does mean that your ruin yeah. goes up to six. So, yeah. so first, you succeed. Narrate your success. You manage to to grab the things, Yes. Yes, I grab the things. You know, I'll 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 be kind to my two compatriots. I'll even say I grab the things and I toss them back to you yeah. guys. But as I start leaving the vehicle, uh whatever this plant creature whispers mm-hmm. to me, suddenly everything in my whole life makes sense and everything clicks and I realize that I am supposed to be right here. Yeah, I'm going to briefly read from the book. Everyone focuses on your last flashes of lucidity before you either run screaming into the forest's depths or turn violently against your fellow treasure hunters. Hand your character over to the GM to control and exit the game. What are your last, what are your final thoughts, Lee, as you accomplish your drive to become one with the secret that lies at the heart of the forest? Yes. I, I look back to Rook. And Emmett, and I say, listen to me, we're made to change. In fact, it's the only constant is change. Embrace it. And Rook and Emmett, as Lee is saying this, you watch as his face changes, as his his other leg snaps backwards to match the one that was already digitigrade, as as these these green, mossy antlers begin to rapidly grow from his head. And when he stops speaking, he, along with the bodies in the car, lunges towards you. What do you do? Uh, First I, fl- off, I flick that sol- <laughs> Okay. First off, let's make some ruin rolls. Oh, boy. This is where it ends, motherfuckers. <laughs> Rook's fine. Oh, wow. Rook rolled a four. Rook is fine. Huh. And Rev rolled a four. Emmett rolled a four, okay. Emmett's fine. So, both of you somehow managed to keep your cool at this. Uh, but what do you do? You've One of you has the uh, the camera and the map that Lee had pulled from the car. I think Rook is going to... It, she's going to have kind of a moment of, like, everything slows down for a second. And then she's going to yell at Emmett to, to run and uh, flick the selective fire switch on her assault rifle, and she's going to start uh, unloading fully automatic yeah. on on everyone who's coming yeah. at them. Sounds about right. All right. When you attempt a risky task, say what you hope will happen and ask the mm-hmm. GM and the other players what could possibly go wrong. Uh, what I hope will happen is that I can get out of this alive yeah. <laughs> by killing or incapacitating uh, Lee and the plant. The plant peoples, uh, no offense, no offense to our former compatriot. <laughs> Your former compatriot, now fucked up dear friend. 
Yeah. Listen, just become fucked up dear friends with me. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong here? Uh, you could get injured as Everything. you sort of, of have to stand your ground to fire. The, uh, the sound of gunfire could attract something else. Uh, so you're definitely skilled at this. You are almost certainly risking your mind or body in order to succeed. So that's one yep. light, one dark. Anyone have a devil's bargain? Uh, your magazine runs dry. Mm, that's a good one. I'll take it. All right. I've got a sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> and probably a spare someplace, assuming my pack wasn't rifled through. It's okay. a five. Oh. And your ruin goes up. <laughs> oh. Yep, that, that brings my ruin up to five. Oh. As you are doing this, you feel what it first feels like the impulse to, like, shout or like whoop it's, there's like there's there's a there's an animalistic joy to just unloading a gun like this but you realize as you feel it building in your chest that it's not quite that it is a growl it is a a snarl your teeth feel strange in your mouth they feel too big they feel pointed and you find yourself as you do this unconsciously opening and closing your jaw like this this tick, this urge to snap your teeth together and bite. Oh, boy. On a fortified, you succeed, but there's some kind of complication. I think the complication here is, um, in addition to the, the devil's bargain of your using up the last of your ammo for this gun here, as you shoot the body of your former companion turned antlered monster, the scream of pain that it lets out is too human. Oof. Oh. Uh, make a second ruin roll. Oh. <sighs> yeah. A ruin You've roll? You've got a five, right. so you have to roll a six. Okay, you're good. Um, okay. That's the complication. Uh, so describe how you succeed. I think it, it becomes like the kind of thing where I've succeeded and I have like killed or incapacitated uh lee and the plant things but i just i keep shooting and then i run out of ammo and i keep pulling the trigger and i'm just like like tears are rolling down my face and yeah i think that's i think that's how she deals with the screaming being yeah. too human hey it's all right i'll be back in the morning <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> and the two of you manage to run off to escape you manage to retreat to a safe distance, and you have a an annotated, heavily annotated version of your own map in your hand, and you have a small point-and-click digital camera in the other. Can I see what's on, if there are any photos already taken on the camera? Yes. As you go to look at the camera, there uh, there is a thin film of green algae across the screen, but you can you can wipe that away kind of easily enough. And the screen is a little bit cracked, but not badly enough that the images on it are, are difficult to see. And, and the camera has battery. It has power. And there, there's a series of images that you see here. Uh, at first, there's about half a dozen pictures of a young woman in her sort of mid-twenties. Uh, clearly, these are pictures of her, like, on vacation in the national park that this used to be before it became the quarantine zone. And then there's there's 
three sort of consecutive pictures of the sky. And in each one, there is a, a, a bright light on the horizon, like a, like a flare. Um, in one, it's quite high off the ground, and in the next two, it is closer and closer. Um, and then there is a short video of that same sort of blindingly bright light descending just past the tree line. And then there are several, again, still photos of the ground. Like, the camera has been dropped and has taken pictures as it's been dropped. Uh, and then there's one picture that is very sort of motion blurred and mostly white. And it takes a minute to realize that what it is is a close-up of part of a, a distorted human-esque face, elongated with sharp, sharp teeth. I think I flip the camera over to the photo mode and I take a couple of pictures of the pages of my journal where I have, you know, written the notes that I've taken and in some of the conversations that I had with Lee. Uh, and then I hand the camera to Rook. This has to get out of here. I don't know what makes you think I can get it out of here. I don't necessarily, but this way we both have a copy. I see. All right. Works for me. Rook will tuck the camera someplace safe, uh, some pocket on their tactical vest or something. I don't know about you, but I don't feel much like sleeping tonight. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know if I could if I tried. I think, uh, I think we should just keep moving. Is this map any better than what we had? It is. It has the place where you, where, where the, the truck, where the Humvee was labeled. Um, and not far from that is, is the big X that marks the, the center of the quarantine zone. There's some notes on the side, um, sort of, like, clumsily scribbled it says bright light it says falling from sky it you know there's a big arrow pointing to the x clearly indicating this is where these people thought that this was um and it is really close to where you are there is um sort of a steep overgrown incline in front of you uh which you can sort of see on the annotated map appears to be the edge of some kind of massive crater and just on the other side of the ridge is the center. If this were any further away, I'd say we should just make the best attempt we could at leaving, but we've come this far. You can only get so wet, right? Yes, exactly. Does Rev have a weapon also? Or, sorry, does uh, Emmett, I guess, the character? I don't know if, if the player has a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck around and find out. No, um... <laughs> Um, I would imagine that I have, like, a standard-issue pistol. Like, just whatever they okay. had that probably mm -hmm. was, like, part of the, of the, of the pack. Alright, so then I don't need to give you my sidearm and say, if I start turning into some kind of deer, uh, shoot yes, me. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna pull out my sidearm now and just have it ready and, uh, uh, let's rock and roll. Yeah, I think that seeing Rook do that. Emmett does the same thing. It's it's not a, a natural thing, but it makes sense in this moment to have the gun out, and so he focuses to to get the hands to grip around it, and then oh, that's right, your yeah, hands. holds on to it. I feel like this is Rook just now yeah. noticing the hands. What the fuck happened to your hands? I'm not quite sure. Whatever is inside of us is I don't know if it's turning us into different elements of its new environment or what, but. 
Seems a little reminiscent of the air, don't you think? Sure. Whatever you say, Doc. Maybe this will make you feel better. And I'll lean down and just kind of run my hand uh, along my pants where some of that moss is and just cover it on my hands. So now that I have I have green hands instead of transparent hands. <laughs> <laughs> better. About the same. Uh, let's let's just go. All right. You guys start making your way up this incline. Um, it is steep and it is difficult, but you you make decent time and you're about halfway to the top when the sort of this this purple flowered ivy that is covering this ridge, some of it starts to move in front of you and it raises up from the ground uh, and in front of you, you see ivy-heighted wolf-like creature in front of you with, with flowers sprouting around its fangs and it bears its teeth at you and it growls. It doesn't move to attack, but it is watching you and it is standing in your way. Maybe we can go around it? Does its face look like the face in the photo? A little bit. It's hard because it's it's obscured by this ivy. Yeah. And it is, if it is that face, it has not stopped changing. Mm. I, uh, I think, again, I, I roll up that sleeve. Are you what arrived here? It growls. This sort of low growl that echoes into a, a resonant hum. Jeez, that thing swallow a subwoofer? I think uh, Rook is gonna gonna trust Emmett to know what he's doing, but she's also like right behind him, ready to pull the trigger on this this wolf. What is it that you want? Is it to spread what you are? Is it to be left alone? It turns around, and it seems to to move its head in a sort of gesture that almost feels like it's saying, follow me. Uh, I do. Yeah, I'll follow it. And it leads you to the top of the ridge. And just beyond the edge of the ridge, just over the, the horizon, is the center of the quarantine zone. The, the, the point of impact for whatever fell, whatever this, the camera showed on its broken screen. Suspended in the air like a like a three-dimensional exploded view drawing of a machine. Uh, there are, are, are metal pieces hanging in the air, each, each one of them held in orbit around a central point by thin tendrils of purple-flowered vine, slowly overgrowing the metal plating. And at the center of this orbit of machine parts is a single pinprick of blinding white light, like the the impetus of an explosion suspended in a single moment, surrounded by a tangled globe of vine. And the wolf growls again. Well, what the fuck do we do with this? There was an impact here. This explosion that seems to be starting to happen, seems to be starting to happen. Did you stop it? Is it held in some kind of stasis by whatever you are? The wolf growls again. Uh, Rook leans over to Emmett <laughs> and, and says, Was that a yes or a no? I feel we're at the point where a no would be a bite. So, so what, we just leave this to let nature take its course? It feels like whatever this is, it was powerful enough to maybe even, <laughs> as cataclysmic as that sounds, destroy the planet, and the planet is defending itself somehow. 
holding this moment in stasis. Uh, I think Rook is just going to kind of holster their weapon and, and just sort of sit down on the ridge. The wolf sits down next to you, still alert, but, but sitting and looking out as well. Well, sure is pretty, at least. Yes, it's beautiful. This, whatever this is, I apologize, it's not my area of expertise. I don't think it's anybody's. Well, more so, I mean, the explosion, the, I don't know, physics, or I never got into the more destructive sciences. We could bring back someone who would understand it more clearly, or we could simply carry out a message of do not return. I look at the wolf to see if it uh, gives any indication as to whether or not it will let us do that. It bears its teeth at you. That seems like, uh, seems like a no to me. I don't think we're getting out of here, Doc. I think this is the end of the line. Yes. They will keep coming. They'll send more and more and larger until they figure it out they are abrasive at best. Well, if that bear or moose thing's uh, any kind of example, I guess we'll be here to see it. All green and whatnot. Emmett, you notice that through the green moss that you have coated your immaterial hands with, there is light beginning to shine through. The same sort of blinding white light. Uh, I'm going to hold my hand up between myself and the light just to kind of see how it reacts through that kind of prism. It is so bright that it is all you can see. It is so bright, and you can see so clearly. I think I need to get closer. And I, I glance at the wolf. It lets out a low growl. If I, uh... <laughs> Rook, if by some chance you do make it out of here, make sure that everyone knows it was Lee Barnett and Dr. Emmett Blackburn who figured it out. Make sure they know. And I start walking down the crater. Ivy is gonna um, remove the camera from her pack and set it, set it someplace that seems safe, and um, just kind of sit there. I think and just let whatever is gonna happen happen. And Emmett, you approach the center of the crater, and uh, you feel your body become immaterial. You feel it become light. You feel like you could go anywhere you wanted to. You feel like you could stay right here forever. And Ivy, this wolf settles in beside you. You feel something itching at the back of your throat. You, you know, you cough, you clear your throat. It's still there. You cough again. And uh, you feel something sort of dislodge spit it out into your hand and it is a, a a sprout a plant sprout growing from your throat the little purple flower on the end all right this has been trophy dark uh I, you can find me and my show the unexplored places over on twitter at unexploredcast uh and myself over on twitter at c previs I have been Charlotte Elena. I played Lee Barnett. You can find me on Twitter at the Cornbreb. That's Breb with a B, not a D. 
You can find my podcast, Tabletop Potluck, wherever you listen to your podcasts and on all social media at Tabletop Potluck and TabletopPotluck.com. I'm Max Kasparik, and I am the GM for the upcoming season of Legends of Chell, which is an actual play podcast set in the fantasy world introduced in the audio drama Interference. And I am Rev, he, him. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rev Deshane, and I am the host and GM of The Crit Show, which is an actual play podcast where we play Monster of the Week and other Powered by the Apocalypse games, all within the same dimension-hopping narrative. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Crit Show, uh, and you can find all of our games at thecritshowpodcast.com. Thank you all for listening, and happy International Podcast Month! The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month. Celebrating creators, sharing listeners.